You are listening to the IMN podcast produced by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion. We've asked members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to share how their lives have been blessed by living the gospel of Jesus Christ. To the Savior's request, come follow me, they have all responded, I am in. After working in the jewelry industry for 10 years, our next speaker decided he had worked for other people long enough and bravely decided to open his own unique business, selling custom-made jewelry to customers from a small rented space, meeting with them one by one by appointment. This entrepreneurial idea has blessed his life and allowed him more time to spend with his young family. I am Michelle Burke, and today you will hear from Neil Hunt. Neil was born in Boise, Idaho, where he grew up playing sports, hunting, and fishing. He graduated from Bora High School in 2003, then shortly left on a mission to Indiana. Neil has five kids and has been married to his sweetheart for 10 years. He runs and operates his own business, Diamonds by Appointment out of Meridian, Idaho, where he specializes in selling engagement rings, diamonds, and custom jewelry. Neil still loves and enjoys the outdoors and spending time with his family. Other hobbies include catching bags of rattlesnakes and badgers. You will enjoy his message today. It's good to be here. It's good to see some people I know out of the blue. They just showed up. But I'm thankful that I get to talk with you guys today. Um, I was called by Sister Burke to come and speak with you. Um, The crazy story about Sister Burke is I met her while I was on my mission. And her and her family were over there going to, was it Notre Dame? South Bend, Indiana. So they were in a family ward there. I served there. And they were one of the coolest families ever. Uh, we got to know them well. They fed us well. Um, they introduced us to some of their friends and uh, neighbors. And what a wonderful family they were. And a couple months ago, someone calls me, hey, I need, I'm upgrading my ring for our 25th anniversary. I need your help. And I'm like, what's your name again? This is Michelle Burke. I was like, no way. So Indiana, met her in 2005. Helped her with upgrading her ring after 15 years. And so it is a small world. Um, So that being said, that's how I got called. She's like, I need you to come on. And I'm like, well, you know me as a ring person, but you don't know me as as, uh, my crazy side. Anyway, um, so I'm happy to be here. Um, I grew up in Boise. most of my, actually all my growing up, um, I lived over there by Walmart and Edwards Theater, kind of in the neighborhood tucked back in there. We called it the ghetto. And uh, we, uh, we loved that area. We didn't have much money as a family growing up. And so we would play lots of street football. We would go knock on all the kids' doors around the street and we would get people to come and play football with us. Some two-hand touch. We would have to part when cars were going by. 
and loved that street football. Um, another thing I grew up doing as a young kid is we would grab our BB guns and go out to this field and try to, sh try to hunt birds. And so between those two things, loved, loved my childhood. Um, I went to Maple Grove Elementary right there. And at that time, that school was really old, and it's still there now. So, surprise. I mean, it's crazy. Then I went to South Junior High, which that school was just as old as Maple Grove. And so, Maple Grove, South Junior High, and then I went to Bora High School, where I went there from 2001 to 2003. And I had tons of fun at Bora. Um, I loved playing sports. I, my favorite sport was football. I loved to play football there. Um, and just had a blast. I wasn't much of a straight-A student, you could say. Um, wasn't a very book-smart kid, but, um, but I got through it. Um, one of my favorite things about going to Bora was going to seminary. And... Um, <laughs> um, I wouldn't be crying, but my seminary teacher showed up, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, um, uh, my seminary teachers were awesome. Um, Brother Knight, Brother Stanford, if you guys know them, you know how awesome they were. Um, they just taught the way I needed to be taught at that time. They uh, taught patience. They were patient with all this stupid stuff I did. Um, Brother Knight, I mean, he knew how to relate to the, to the boys. He would come. I remember one lesson he gave when he would show up and like this side of his face was shaven and this side was like growing out. It was like this part was like rag. Like I don't even remember. Like part of him was done right and part of him was all shaggy and ripped up. Um, and I think it was enduring to the end. So they just, the thing is those seminary teachers, they have to prepare those lessons day in and day out and I'm grateful for them. Um, I'm grateful for the example they taught me. I probably wasn't listening too much, but they were there to give me the patience I needed. But in seminary, we had lots of fun. Um, I'll tell you a few experiences that made it really fun. Um, the first experience was when we were having a white elephant gift exchange. I showed up to seminary and I didn't have anything. I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot. So like people are putting their gifts in the middle and the desks are in a circle. And I'm like, okay, I got to figure this out. So I run out to my truck and I'm like, I just got to find something. Like white elephant, it can be anything. So I'm looking in the cab with nothing, looking in the back of my truck and I had dead ducks. I'm like, oh yeah, I went duck hunt yesterday. Still have the ducks <laughs> in the back of my truck. I'm gonna, so I grab a duck and I run back in the seminary building and I was like, I got a duck. So, I was, so, the, so there was some wrapping paper there, and I wrapped up the duck and threw it in the middle. <laughs> and, and it took about, it, like, you know, like, 
like how it goes around and people grab a gift and finally a kid in my ward, he's like, all right, Neil, I'll grab yours. And so he was super nice. Grabbed it, untapes it, unwraps it, and this duck just flops right on his desk. And he was just like, and this duck was just staring at him. like, <laughs> And he didn't know what to do. He kind of froze off, and he looked up, and everyone just busting up laughing. And that duck remained staring at him for at least 10 minutes because no one would steal that duck from him. That's, that's one of my good moments. Uh, a couple others to mention is um, I love rattlesnake hunting. I don't know why. Um, but I love the adrenaline of walking out and listening for the rattles and trying to find them. And anyway, we went rattlesnake hunting one day. I think I caught 10 or 15. Brought them to school, I guess. So I, br- <laughs> so I had them in school. I had them in the back of my truck. And we ran over to the seminary building and we made a poster and we said rattlesnakes for sale. And we slapped it up on the front of the seminary building. And I think we said, see us out back or something. (laughs) I don't quite remember, but I remember, I think we sold one to some random kid, and I hope he's still alive. But um, that was a hilarious experience. My last experience, and Brother Knight remembers this one, I believe, is um, my junior year, I was heading to school, and I had to go check a trap I set for a raccoon. Checked it, I had one. I'm like, sweet, throw it in the back of the truck, head to school. So I brought a raccoon to school. Get to school, I had a devotional that day. So I'm like, I'm going to bring this raccoon in the seminary building. And I'm going to give a devotional as it's sitting right here in front of me. I didn't know what I was going to talk about, but I just thought it was cool. So I had a crazy raccoon in front of me. It was hissing, it was hitting the cage, trying to get out. And I gave a devotional about how we shouldn't be like this raccoon and fall for the devil's traps or something crazy. It made no sense, I'm sure. And then everyone's like, you got to top it. you got to top that. So my senior year, I was in Brother Knight's class. And I'm like, okay, I got a devotional tomorrow. What am I going to do? So that whole night, we went out to catch a badger by hand. And we're like, we're going to catch a badger, and we're going to bring the badger in live. So we went out. We're driving in the Jeep. We're looking for badgers, and we have a spotlight. And finally, one runs across the road, and we jump out, and I'm running after it. It goes down a hole, and it pops back up and tries to fight, like tries to hiss and, you know, coming at us. And the hole wasn't very deep, so we couldn't go down. So we grab this blanket. We throw it over its head. We pin its head down. I reach down the hole, grab it, and throw it in a dog kennel that was right here. Next day, we had a badger. But the morning of, my mom comes to wake me up in my bedroom, and I had the kennel in my bedroom with the wild badger in my bedroom. (laughs) And usually, my dog is in the kennel. So she comes in, and she, and she I, I don't know if she almost let the, the, the badger out, but she hit the door, and she's like, hey, Sage, and that badger hits the front door as hard and just hiss at her. And she screams and wakes me up, and that's how my morning went that morning. But we brought the badger, brought it in. All the seminary classes came together that day, and I gave the same weird devotional about... I don't, I don't even remember. But we had a badger there. <laughs> anyway, fun memories. Uh, love their, you know, love seminary. Love the things that we did. Love everything we learned about. Love the patience. 
Um, but after I graduated from Bora, I was kind of in, yeah, I don't know if a lot of people get in this stage where they're not sure what to do in life. They're just like, well, I could go on a mission. I don't have to go on a mission. Like, I don't know what to do. So I was, I was hunting a lot. I, I'm a big hunter. Um, and I just, in my head, I couldn't give up hunting for two years. I'm like, oh, it's just going to be too hard. I know missionaries can't hunt and just two years of that. And it's just going to be hard to give up. So the Lord sent a sign to me, um, and it happened while I was out badger hunting. <laughs> so we're out badger hunting, and I, uh, we're driving down the road, and in an older truck, I don't know if new cars or trucks have ashtrays and cigarette lighters. Anyway, in the ashtray, I put all my bullets in the ashtray. And we pulled the cigarette lighter out to plug in the spotlight so we could spotlight badgers. Going down the road, we pulled the spotlight out for some odd reason. And we're driving down the road and a spark just shot out at us. And we're like, what the heck just happened? So we stopped the vehicle. We looked down in the cigarette lighter and there was a bullet that fell down in the cigarette lighter. And when that brass hit the back of it, it just threw a spark out. We're like, oh crap. So we grabbed the ashtray and we tried to pull it out of its socket. And right when I pulled it out of the socket, explosion. So I look at my brother who was next to me and I'm like, dude, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm like, dude, I can't feel my hand. Like, I can't feel this. Like, it's gone. I just got electrocuted or something crazy. I don't even know what happened. I'm looking at my arm and then I lifted up my arm and blood's just coming out like crazy. So the bullet ended up ejecting out of a cigarette lighter, shooting me up the arm, and tons of blood coming out. And I told my brother, take your shirt off, tie a tourniquet. I think everything's okay. The bleeding stopped. Um, driving home, still alive, and I don't like hospitals, so I wasn't going to go to the hospital. I don't know what I was going to do. <laughs> put a Band-Aid on it or something. <laughs> But it was just, uh, my mom finally convinced me to go to the hospital at like 2 o'clock in the morning. So we go to the hospital. Long story short, the bullet ended up cutting my median nerve in half. My hand, I can't feel anything. And the movement of my fingers, I couldn't do this. Uh, long story short, I tried to shoot a gun. It was impossible to shoot a gun. Um, uh, So um, I realized I needed to go on a mission at that point. Um, so I ended up putting in my papers, realized I couldn't hunt. The doctor said, you won't get filling or movement back in this hand for a while. And so uh, today I still can't film most of my hand. But I do have movement in it now. But... Um, Turned in my papers, got a call to Indianapolis, Indiana, mission. And uh, part of me wasn't ready to go on a mission just because I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't ready. I didn't have a testimony. I didn't know the gospel that well. Never paid attention when I should have been paying attention. Always goofing off. Um, so I knew if I went on a mission 
with an open heart and an open mind that uh, Heavenly Father would work me. And so I got to the MTC, and the first time I truly felt the Spirit was when we were singing a song as missionaries, and a feeling overcame me. Chills were running down my back like crazy. And at that point, I realized that's the Spirit. And uh, so grateful to be able to recognize the Spirit at that point, because throughout the rest of the MTC, I felt the Spirit all the time. And at that point, the Heavenly Father was telling me that this is the true church and this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, finally, I went out on, on the mission. And the amazing thing I remember starting my mission is we would teach the first discussion and it would go well. I felt good about it. And then when we got to the Prophet Joseph Smith, that is when the power hit me every time, hard. And the power and, and this feeling would come over me, just like singing that song in the MTC, every time, every day, every time we taught about Joseph Smith, that power hit me hard. And so I learned to grow and I learned to love the whole restoration of the gospel and what Joseph Smith did because the power that was behind it. And through my mission, it became a very powerful uh, thing in my testimony. Um, th- towards the end of my mission, the, the Savior Jesus Christ became my main focus. I think Heavenly Father needed to let me know that Joseph Smith was a true prophet first and to make that a very, a very known thing in my life with the spirit on how it was working with me. And then towards the end of my mission, it was very powerful spirit every time we taught about Jesus Christ. And that's what built my rock. My, my rock was my testimony of my Savior Jesus Christ and the prophet Joseph Smith. And when Jesus Christ is the Savior and Redeemer of the world, and Joseph Smith was a true prophet, everything falls into play or into place. And, and I realized that after I gained a testimony of those two things. Um, one of the, an experience that happened right, right before I left my mission, um, there was an investigator we were teaching. She had struggles like every investigator, but she had cancer. And she was going in to get the cancer spots removed. Um, And she called us over the night before, and she said, I really want a blessing. So we went over there, and we were going to give her a blessing. And she's like, I just don't want a blessing. I want a blessing of healing. I want a blessing that I'll be healed. And I remember at that point that as 20-year-olds, we're looking at each other, and we're like, Dude, that's a lot of pressure. Tons of pressure. I'm like, we can get blessings, but of healing? I mean, I mean, sure, but I think she was like, no, you need to heal me. So we gave a blessing. I don't even remember what the blessing was about. The next day, we called her mother, who was a less active in the ward, and we're like, how'd she do? Like, how'd it go? And she said that, um, no. She said that there was no cancer in her body and, um, and there was just scarring tissue where all the cancer spots were. And uh, she was healed. 
And uh, it was a humbling experience to know that that wasn't possible without the faith that she had going into that blessing and going into surgery that day. And the power of the priesthood. When you got priesthood on, when you when we have the priesthood here on earth, and you got the faith of somebody, and it comes together, anything can happen. And so I learned a lot from that experience about the true testimony of the priesthood. Um, so I came home from my mission, feeling like a rock star, feeling like I'm brand new and I can accomplish anything in life. Um, so my main thing was, well, I need a date, I need to get married, I need to do what my mission president told me to do. Like He's like, go home, find someone, get married, start a family. Come home, start to date the first girl. You know, we we were dating, but things were rough. Things were things were rough. We didn't see eye to eye. We weren't compatible in a lot of ways, but we were we were in love, so we thought we could overcome anything. And being a brand new missionary, like a release or a return missionary, I'm just like, I can do anything. Um, so we ended up staying together and getting married after about five months. And we, uh, for the, for two years, we struggled. Like we just did not click. Her goals were this way. My goals were this way. Um, we did everything we could to work on our marriage, to work the kinks out. And after about two and a half married or two and a half years of being married, um, we got a divorce. Um, and we had, uh, we had a nine month old together. So it's a really hard thing to go through. Um, I went from up here all the way down here and pretty quick. Um, so I ended up having to accept that, you know, she wants a divorce and it is what it is. And there was a turning point right there. I had, a, I had a turning point to where I could have blamed everything and gone this direction or thanked my Heavenly Father and went this direction. And I knew a lot of people that always blamed things in their life for why they are who they are, I guess. And not judging anyone at all. But I knew that I had a decision to make. So I remember crying every night, crying and wondering why me. Um, here I got a one-year-old, um, and I just remember thanking my Heavenly Father. I'm like, thank you for putting me through this. I have no idea what's in store for me, but thank you. And I remember thanking him every night. Um, so after being divorced for a little bit of time, I decided to maybe go back out there and try to date. But you can see going into a singles ward, carrying a baby, it just doesn't work. It's like, uh, anyway, so it just really wasn't working. And, uh, um, so the person that introduced me to my wife showed up today. Um, so this will be hard too. Um, so my priest corm advisor 
was always a good example to me. His wife was a great example to me. They were our, they were, he was my priest corps advisor. They were both my uh, Sunday school teachers and always stuck with me. I always went over there to chill, to hang out. We went hunting together. Um, they were always there. So my priest corps advisor calls me. He's like, dude, I got a girl for you. And I'm just like, okay, tell me about her. Okay, well, her name's this. She has three kids. Three kids? Like, I got one, but now there's four kids involved if we're dating. And I'm only 25 years old. I'm like, like the pressure, like, I don't, I don't know. And he's like, dude, just call her. Like, what's it going to hurt? Anyway, hung up the phone. Never did a call. Calls me back like four days later. Dude, how'd it go? I haven't called her. Are you kidding me? And he just went off on me. You pansy and all this other stuff. You little girl and just started to call me all those names, which I was for sure. Um, and I'm sure it was his wife saying, dude, did he call her? You know, you know how girls get. They just start prying on him like, did he call? So I'm sure Tessa over here was, you know, giving him crap to give me crap. So it always works that way. Anyway. Calls me again. No, I haven't called her. Calls me names. Okay, hang up the phone and call her right now. And I'll call you back in like 10 minutes. Called her up, asked her out. Got a date. Um, went on a date. Our first date, we talked about everything. We talked about life. We talked about her kids. Talked about my kid. Talked about our experiences. Talking about how life sucks i mean truly like how how we got where we're at and we're like what the heck happened you know that's just what it was that's how the conversation went and but we clicked like clicked like i've never have clicked with a gal before and i you know i kind of compare it to what i did have and it was the exact opposite she was super confident um knew what she wanted didn't even care what hit her or her kids in life. She was she was going to get what she wanted. And so seeing that in a girl, the confidence behind her, I'm just like, dude, that's what I need. And so we dated for about eight months maybe. And lots of lots of things happened we we got along super well but having juggling four kids was super hard at such a young age i was 25 but my wife was two years younger than me and so she was still super young with three kids and uh so we we did everything we could i remember i hit a certain spot in my life or during this dating period where i'm like dude this is so much stress i truly don't know if i can do it anymore and at that point, I pray to my Heavenly Father, and I'm like, hey, if this is supposed to be, it's something needs to change. I don't feel comfortable. I feel like there's too much pressure. And from that day, from the next day on, there was no pressure with the kids. And I don't know what changed. Something changed where I felt no pressure. Um, I felt like the kids were all getting along super well. But pressure financially to be all honest, like four kids, I'm 25 years old, like I'm supporting four kids. Like, I don't know how I'm supposed to do it. 
So everything went super well. I didn't want to let my wife now go. She was too perfect, better than what I could have ever imagined. And so we ended up getting married after about 11 months to a year. And ever since then, we have been blessed, like beyond. Like we have had so many blessings come in our life. Um, I was able to adopt her three kids after the first year of our marriage. So we didn't have to, you know, the kids didn't have to go back and forth all the time. Most of the, my, my kid was with us 50% of the time. But me and her got along super well. And Dason, um, you know, was super happy with the situation. He loved his new brothers and sisters. Their sister, we got four boys and one girl. But the, I, I guess I didn't tell you the ages. So the ages when I met my wife... It was four, three. Her kids were four, three, and one, and I had the two-year-old. So it was four, three, two, one. And that, that makes things harder, huh? So it was right in a row. And so when I got to adopt the kids, um, it was an amazing experience. You know, they all had the same last names. They, I mean, there's lots of things that go into the adoption process. And... Uh, we became such a tight family. The kids were so young when we got married that they think I'm the dad. Like they, I guess they don't really know any different. Um, so it's just been so fun. We've been so blessed. It's the best thing that could have happened. Um, and again, we've been married for almost uh, 10, 11 years, and it's been a very, very happy experience. Um, very happy. So that's kind of my life in a nutshell. Rewinding, I guess. I didn't talk much about my, my work history and kind of what I do. Um, after my mission, I met with my mission president right before I flew home and I came to him and I'm like, I need, I'm, I have a ton of pressure coming home. I know when I come home, everyone's gonna be like, what's your plans? And I'm like, gosh, I don't not like that question. And uh, so, and I know education's super, super important. And so, like, what do I do? Like, I truly feel like I'm not a book smart person. I was never good in school. I truly, is there another way? And he's like, education doesn't mean you got to go to a college. Education means get into something you want to learn about and learn and learn and learn and grow and learn about what you want to do. Go to a trade school. Do whatever. Go, go to college. Whatever you want to do, see what the requirements are and chase it. So I came home and I'm like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard. And I truly feel like this is what I personally need to do is I just need to go to work. So I came home and I went and sold security systems door to door. I'm like, being a missionary, I think I can go do door to door again and make some good money. And after a summer of selling door to door, I like talking to people, I like sales, I just didn't like the whole door-to-door thing. So I decided to stay in sales, and I was walking through the Boise Town Square Mall for some reason, all by myself. <laughs> I have no idea what I was doing. Maybe I was looking for jobs. And, uh, and I saw a now hiring sign at a jewelry store. And my background in a jewelry store, like it just doesn't go. And so I'm like, you know what? It's a job. 
And certain people get picky about, you know, exactly what job they want to do. I just wanted to work. I'm just like, I need a job. So I went and got a job at this jewelry store. After a while of working there, I was like, this is pretty cool. Like, happy couples are coming in. We get to talk with them. We got to hear their stories. Get to help them with an engagement ring. It's pretty fun. And I got to learn, you know, diamonds and gemstones and, you know, a little bit about making rings and, you know, jewelry repair, the whole works. So I worked there for two years. After that, a local store, a bigger local, um, locally owned uh, jewelry store said, hey, you should come work for us. So I moved and I worked at that jewelry store for nine years. And during that nine years, I educated myself fully. I learned about everything in the business. Um, but one main thing that I was missing is all the time with my kids and all, all their sporting events, their dance recitals, track meets, everything. Everything was going on when I was working because I was working retail hours. And it kind of just kind of grew and grew and it just wasn't, it wasn't feeling good. My wife's like, you don't even like, you're not there. And I'm like, I get it, but you know, we got to come up with a plan then. So my, my option was to get out of the industry and start new somewhere and learn something else or to stay in the industry and figure out how in the world I would do it. So after about a year of talking, we're just like, I think we got a plan. So at that point, we had a plan and the name of the business was Diamonds by Appointment. And, uh, and it was going to be... A, a jewelry-based business out of an office. And we have an, and we still have the same office. It's over there off of Eagle Road, kind of in the heart of kind of where everything is by the village. Um, and we were going to do by appointment only. And we weren't going to do the whole Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6 or whatever the retail hours always have been. Because then I would still be in the same boat. So our deal was get an office, have low overhead, cut the customers, all the savings that we save in the lower, low overhead, and eventually this business is going to roll. And the word's going to get around um, that we're doing everything that a jewelry store does, but in an office with low overhead with good pricing. Um, so we did it. I quit. I started my business. We went out of this office, and for the first year, it was rough. I remember sitting in my office just all by myself, just like, well... This is what it is. Like this, like, this is what we did. But here, like, I'm sitting here doing nothing. And I, you know, I love I, I the aspect of starting a business because we had nothing and I wanted to grow it to something awesome. So I had the motivation. So I always worked on our, you know, social media pages, posting every day, um, just being creative, you know, throwing a YouTube channel or starting a YouTube channel and, educate, uh, and educating people on, you know, certain things about jewelry. Uh, working on our Google listings and just lots of different things, but it took about a year for us to kind of start getting some attention. But in the first year, I remember I would, I had buddies that were plumbers and I'm like, dude, you need help? Like I got no appointments. I can help you tomorrow and the next day. So I was crawling under house, houses, doing plumbing, you know, as we grinded through this first year of business and I was guiding Guiding hunts a lot. Um, that's a whole nother story. But I had another business where I guided hunters. And they would fly from all over 
um, the world and come here to hunt with uh, myself. And they and I would take them out on those hunts, and I got through the first year with uh, with the income of some jewelry sales and a lot of guided hunts. And after the first year, the second year, things started to roll. People were coming in, hey, I, I got referred by this guy. I heard you're the guy. I need help. And all those people started to come our way, and we started to fill it. We're like, okay, this is this is good. And we've been in the business for three, a little over three years is all. And this third year has been awesome. We're, we're busy. Um, things are great. I love helping people one-on-one. Um, as I mentioned, Sister Burke came in three months ago to celebrate 25 years. Like, that's the stuff I love. People coming in saying, we got 25 years on us. Help me design a ring. So it's just, it's a super fun job. And, um, and it's, and I still have all the time I want. If the kids have a football game, I'm not taking no appointments in this time frame. You know, my wife gets on Google calendar and schedules it out. So like we work hand in hand. We want to go on a family vacay. I just cancel that whole week out and I just help people around the clock and it works. And so this business has truly blessed our family's life because I'm there for all my kids. I'm there for all the family sporting events. I'm there for my wife when she needs me, when she's running around kids and she's like, I cannot do this by myself. You need to take two kids this way. I'll go this way and we'll do it this. And I just take time and I go. And it works. And so I'm so grateful for everything that has evolved from being a goof off as a teenager to going on a mission and building that rock that my testimony is built on to stay strong through hard times and to and to keep building my family and my relationships with my kids and my wife so i have a strong testimony of this gospel um i know it's true um i'm so grateful for my savior i'm so grateful for the restoration of this gospel so grateful for my wife for my kids um, for everything that they are to me and i'm grateful to be able to share my testimony with you today and i do so in the name of jesus christ amen